Hello, welcome to Gardener's World. I mean, the re-re-read podcast, where we consider what contemporary writers like you and me can learn from classic literature. We still have a few more episodes to go on Dracula, but we're getting near the end as the vampire hunters have banded together to kill the title character. I call this episode, Dostoevsky Does Dracula. In her diary, Mina quotes the inspiring botched English of Van Helsing. How then are we to begin our strike to destroy him? How shall we find his where, and having found it, how can we destroy? My friends, this is much. It is a terrible task that we undertake, and there may be consequences to make the brave shudder. For if we fail in this, our fight, he must surely win, and then where end we? Life is nothings, I heed him not. But to fail here is not mere life or death. It is that we become as him, that we henceforward become foul things of the night like him, without heart or conscience, preying on the bodies and the souls of those we love best. To us forever are the gates of heaven shut, for who shall open them to us again? We go on for all time, abhorred by all, a blot on the face of God's sunshine, an arrow in the side of him who died for man. But we are face to face with duty. And in such case, must we shrink? For me, I say no, but then I am old, and life with his sunshine, his fair places, his song of birds, his music and his love, lie far behind. You others are young. Some have seen sorrow, but there are fair days yet in store. What say you? Now I'm going to skip a bit, because there's some yucky self-erasure by Mina. Yuck, yuck, yuck. The professor stood up, and after laying his golden crucifix on the table, held out his hand on either side. I took his right hand, and Lord Godalming his left. Jonathan held my right with his left and stretched across to Mr. Morris. So, as we all took hands, our solemn compact was made. I felt my heart icy cold, but it did not even occur to me to draw back. We resumed our places, and Dr. Van Helsing went on with a sort of cheerfulness which showed that the serious work had begun. It was to be taken as gravely and in as businesslike a way as any other transaction of life. This scene is rife with Dostoevskyan potential. Because he is not Dostoevsky, nor does he care to be, Stoker breezes through the whole vampire-hunting dilemma in less than a page. However, if he were Dostoevsky, he, in the guise of someone like Ivan Karamazov, would dwell a while on the fact that if one is killed by a vampire while trying to rid the world of this evil presence, one gets damned by God for one's trouble. You might think it was the bravest, most selfless act of all— to risk not only one's life but one's immortal soul to protect others from the same damnation. One might think God would want to offer an extra special reward for such a risk. Evidently not. However, apparently duty, as Van Helsing puts it, goes beyond the duty to God. The duty to humankind takes precedence. Perhaps there's a reason why Stoker blew through all this rather quickly. It's a naughty theological problem. Our heroes have sort of quietly renounced God, or at least God's blessings, and we admire them for doing so. It can't have been Stoker's intention to reveal the limits of God's love, to suggest that by making the greatest sacrifice of all, you could end up damned forever. Then again, maybe that is what sacrifice really means, giving up God's love voluntarily for the sake of humanity. Leaping without the net and never expecting the net to appear. It won't because you are beyond it. Or is that wrong? Maybe you give up God's love when you do bad things also, so maybe you never have God's love. Anyway, here's a fun writing challenge. Put Van Helsing, minus the accent, or Mina, who would be more interesting, into a dialogue with, say, Jesus. Model it on Dostoevsky's Grand Inquisitor from the Brothers Karamazov, which is a book we will discuss in this podcast at some point. 
and let it explain the role of the vampire in leading us to or away from God.